Do you want to make more Dynasty trades? Sure, we all do. Tune in once a week to the Trade Addicts podcast and see how easy it is to train to be a great Dynasty trader. At Trade Addicts Pod, thousands of men and women have prepared to win championships without sacrificing value. And now, from your phone, car, or computer, you can learn to increase your team's Dynasty value. Many topics such as keep trade by, make amends, and Trade Addicts trades will get you ready to make your own trades. So make the important call right now and check out the Trade Addicts podcast. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your host, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Oh, there's no Matt Price today. Ryan, it's just me and you. What are we going to do without our guy, Pricer? We are going to thrive. We're going to, <laughs> we're going to talk some Dynasty. We're not going to have any, any messed up names. We're not going to have yeah, any crazy sure. takes. It'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> no, we miss Matt. He's he's yeah. Price is in the in the mountains, I guess. He's he's riding trails and hiking and doing doing all that fun stuff. So we're gonna we're gonna soldier on without Matt this week, and we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. We're gonna look at the values of future first round draft picks. That's gonna be a fun conversation with Ryan and myself. We're gonna take a dive into May ADP. We got a listener question that we have to get to. It's a fun one for this week as well. But first we better hit the startup. The startup. You know, when I as I thought more and more about what has happened over the last week, Ryan. You know, it it would have been easy to sidestep the Jarvis Landry sign, signing in yeah. in New Orleans. He's a veteran. You know, really in Dynasty, we we kind of we like to overlook those wide receivers once they hit twenty nine and thirty years old. But this one seemed like a legitimate signing. Somebody that, especially for those that are contending, Jarvis Landry could be helpful. And you know, the Saints are kind of quietly adding players that could help them win some games. And and they're doing it, especially on the offensive side, where they're keeping everything tight. There's, there's that core group of players. You, you got Jameis at quarterback. You got a couple wide receivers already in place. And Kamara at running back. Those are going to be the contributors. And then Jarvis Landry just slides really nicely into the slot in this offense. It feels to me like a place where... Jarvis Landry could continue to have the value that he's had over the last handful of seasons. And even before that in Miami, uh, that, that seems like it's going to carry on for at least another season with Jarvis. I, I agree. Although I would add the, uh, the correction there that I think he can have the production, the value we've, we've already seen the value take a major hit. And, and that's really yeah. where, where dynasty managers should be pouncing at this point. Uh, this is one of the best landing spots we could have seen for Jarvis Landry. And uh, a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, him being home. There was a lot made of that, of course, played college ball at LSU. So um, that that's not a bad thing. I don't know that it's a difference maker, but it, it, it certainly doesn't hurt. 
But to me, it's really about this Michael Thomas situation because uh, we're starting to hear the, these rumors or reports that Thomas is still not fully healthy. And, and that's, that's pretty scary if you're a Saints fan, if you're a Michael Thomas uh, manager or, or a fan because, uh, you know, we're, we're basically two years uh, into this now. And if he's still not ready, if he's still not fully healthy, then it, it certainly is going to be a huge opportunity for, for Jarvis Landry. And, and you're right. This team does not think of themselves as uh, rebuilding or as tanking or anything like that. They are, are making moves to uh, try to continue to be a, a playoff team in the NFC. And, and the players around Jarvis Landry now, Jameis Winston known as the guy that likes to push the ball down the field and, and make the big play. Uh, Jarvis Landry underneath becomes that, that safety check, that guy that they, he can get the ball too quickly, which, which sounds like there's going to be opportunities for, for, uh, Landry to catch, catch five, six, seven, eight passes every single week. And those kind of guys in our PPR leagues, that, that creates some value. And when you consider that, Jarvis Landry in our most recent ADP and, and clearly that it's going to go up. He's wide receiver 79, 174 overall. Even if he goes up a few rounds, Ryan, that is a value for a guy who's projected to catch 70 plus 80 plus passes in an offense that, that it, like I said before, it's tight. There's only a few players that are going to contribute. It seems like every single week, you're going to see this this small core of guys on offense that are putting up stats in the Saints' offense. Yeah, it's almost kind of shocking to see that ADP. He's behind Tyquan Thornton, the the Patriots rookie, uh, wow. who we don't don't necessarily think highly of. Behind Tim Patrick, twenty uh, eight year old uh, Denver wide receiver, what four or five? Uh, so I mean, you're right. We could see Landry jump uh, jump two to three, maybe even four rounds. Uh, next month with with that new ADP now that we know this landing spot and and it's a favorable one there's there's really not a whole lot else to talk about you mentioned Michael Thomas's name we don't know really what's going on there until August we're, we're not going to know right until we see him on the field yeah. uh, during training camp maybe even in the preseason hopefully we don't know how to how to read that situation Chris Olave the the young rookie that's coming in. He fits in well in that offense as well. We'll see how that all that that whole dynamic with Landry and Alave. If Thomas is on the field, I think overall maybe a, a slight uptick for Jameis Winston himself, another weapon, somebody else to get the ball to in superflex leagues. Are you comfortable with Winston as that quarterback too, or are you more more still still seeing him as a guy that's outside the top twenty among your quarterback rankings? I mean, when you're when you're talking dynasty, he would certainly be outside of that. Um, but we know he has that weekly upside. So if you're thinking a, a redraft league, a best ball league, something like that, then I, I definitely like the idea of waiting on Winston as your quarterback too. But in a dynasty, I love to build my super flex teams around the quarterback position. So if if he's my QB too, I'm probably not super comfortable with that big picture long term. Yeah, in the short term, though, I think he's a guy you can roll out there as your QB, too. If you, if you got stuck in a startup where the quarterbacks just went faster than you expected, or maybe you're in a transition period 
where you had Jameis as your QB three and you had, you know, another, uh, younger, younger quarterback that, that maybe hasn't come through or, or somebody that retired in the last couple of years, Breeze or Roethlisberger. And now you're, you're stuck with Winston. It's not all that bad. He could put up quarterback two numbers, maybe even high end quarterback two numbers, and you might feel all right. Outside of that, with this Saints offense, Ryan, is there anything else really that that this Landry uh, signing really affects as far as the other receivers? There is no tight end to talk about. I don't think it really affects Elvin Kamara all that much either. No, I mean, you just think about Chris Olave and and as as any rookie comes into a new situation, we as as fans, as as dynasty managers and analysts are – kind of trying to figure out what role that player is going to play in that offense. And, and then when you get the, an addition like that, or like this one post draft, it's of course another, uh, another piece to the puzzle. I think it's good news ultimately for Alave because uh, they're, they're not the same type of receiver. So uh, to me, that feels more like a compliment versus uh, looking at, at Alave and thinking he might not be ready to contribute, which of course he's a first round pick. So that's not, you wouldn't expect that to be the the mindset anyway. Yeah, you you really expect Alave to maybe come along slowly, um, but by the second half of his rookie season, you would expect to, him to get regular targets four, five, six a week uh, and get his opportunity to stake his claim to that offense. Before we move on, Ryan, there was one other little bit of news that came out over the last week or so among veteran wide receivers. Brian Edwards, mm-hmm. a guy that I think the three of us have been watching, you know, at least with some level of interest down there in Oakland and then now in Las Vegas. He gets moved to Atlanta where there's a clear need uh, for a wide receiver, an outside wide receiver. Brian Edwards really never made it happen with the Raiders. He moves to Atlanta. Do you see him as the the second wide receiver on that roster right now, or what are you kind of feeling for his upside in Dynasty? Uh, it's I'm not I'm not, not looking good. I'm huh? Not looking good. No, I mean <laughs> I, I guess you can say the opportunity is better, uh, but he's had that opportunity in Vegas the past few years and and or the past couple of years, and of course now with with Adams there and Waller has has established himself as a top target and. And Hunter Renfro had that breakout. So right now you look at the depth chart and think that he he never had a chance. But he did. I mean, there was, there was a time two years ago as a rookie uh, and, and certainly this past season before Renfro really proved uh, to, to us and to the team what he could do. The depth chart was wide open. And Brian Edwards did not take advantage of that. So uh, now being in a similar situation with a worse quarterback, I'm not assuming he is, is going to change anything. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think many dynasty managers are are falling for it. But if if this gives me the chance to dump him for a, a third rounder, I would certainly do that. I would jump at that. Yeah, I I was a fan of Edwards coming out, and I thought oh, the I opportunity too, yeah. there in Las Vegas. I I thought he could grab hold of that opportunity and become a guy that that could catch 50 60 70 passes in a season i'd love to hold on to that but i i feel the same way that he had that opportunity maybe a change of scenery 
maybe the fact that you get traded early in your career that motivates you, if that was a problem for him. I'm, I'm not really sure what didn't click for him. I really hope it works out because he profiled, to me at least, as a guy who could run some routes and get open and be that possession receiver who could who could kind of sneaky get deep on, on defensive backs. And it just didn't happen. So I'm rooting yeah. for him. I'm taking the third if I can get the third as well. Yeah. Um, he's barely rosterable in 25-man rosters, right? I, I totally agree. And what we talked about, and, and a lot of people have talked about, the Raiders, especially the drafts, the free agent moves over the past uh, three or four years with, with John Gruden and Mike Mayock uh, running the team. And I mean, specifically in that 2020 draft, they draft three wide receivers in the first three rounds. They take Henry Ruggs. Uh, they follow that up with uh, my guy, Lynn Bowden, and, and then they take Brian Edwards, or, or maybe it was Edwards, then Bowden. Regardless, it doesn't matter because none of the three did anything uh, they they trade Bowden before the season even starts because they don't like his attitude. That's something you should have figured out before you invest a, a day two draft pick on a player. Uh, and, and Ruggs, you know, obviously the situation uh, much more serious uh, at this point. But he obviously wasn't making a big impact on the field either. He wasn't living up to that first round uh, draft capital. So just just a disaster of a tenure for uh, for for the Raiders with those two. And, and I'm, I'm glad they're moving forward and, and kind of getting past that. It really highlights the problems that Edwards has had because you, you mentioned those other receivers that were there in Vegas and they all kind of moved to the wayside and Edwards still couldn't even get on the field. Yeah. He was getting outplayed by Zay Jones and, and probably lapped, right? Zay Jones was twice the receiver that Edwards was, which is really shocking and and i'm a zay jones guy so um we'll we'll see what happens there but landry edwards both on the move both kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum we'll see what happens in 2022 and beyond with those two let's talk trade yeah let's talk trade ryan this is this is a fun conversation something that you and i have talked about a little bit we're we're trying to trying to nail down the value of a 2023 first round rookie draft pick. And this is a fun conversation because the promise of the dynasty community or those that we, that we listen to in the dynasty community for so long has been fade 2022 and, and buy into 2023, especially in super flex leagues. This is a quarterback class that we're all, very excited about the running back class as well. Some high end blue chip type talent expected to be in the draft. And then the wide receiver class every single year seems to have eight or 10 names that we're excited to have on our dynasty teams. 2023 Ryan promises to be that, that year where we can all improve our team, whether you're picking first or picking 12th in round one. So you know, for you right now, just in general, how do you see the value of a 2023 draft pick? Or at least how did you see it before you started digging in, uh, in preparation for this conversation? Uh, well, well, that, that random pick is already being valued as an elite asset, which um, right. in some ways is, is kind of crazy. And then when you look at the, some of the names that we do think will be in that class that are expected to be there, it starts to make sense because there's there's a lot of talent in that class. I mean, you 
kind of covered it a little bit, but putting names to it. Bijan Robinson at uh, running back, basically locked in as the 101 in uh, in rookie drafts, 2023 rookie drafts already. In fact, I've seen more than one uh, more than one person call him the dynasty RB two behind Jonathan Taylor. That uh, that Bijan already has more value than uh, than any other veteran out there outside of Taylor. Uh, and then quarterbacks, uh, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, more running backs, Jameer Gibbs, Zach Evans, Tank Bigsby, Sean Tucker, and, and wide receivers, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Kayshawn Butte, uh, Jordan Addison. I mean, it, it kind of goes on and on with talent. And, of course, we also know that we're always going to get those late breakouts uh, to add their name to the mix as well. So it's it's an exciting class. Um, I think sometimes we kind of get in this bubble, whether it's a Twitter bubble that's active year round or whether it's dynasty writers or podcasters or, or, or whatever. But we start thinking that that applies to the entire dynasty landscape. And it's really not the case. When you start looking at some of the trades that are going down, uh, they look shocking because we think everybody is in line that everybody has that same mindset that, that the 23 picks are, uh, are off the table when it comes to trade talks. And then you see trades of a 23 first for Christian Kirk, a 23 first for Baker Mayfield in a super flex league, a 23 first for Juju Smith Schuster. And it's just kind of a reminder that we're not all playing in these, uh, super active Twitter dynasty leagues uh, that that what's much more common and much more uh, normal is leagues where you can go out and buy 23 first rounders still. Yeah, I think in the in the standard local league that they're especially available, and those are probably the leagues that you see the Baker Mayfield and the Christian Kirk trade, the Juju Smith Schuster trade, and then also you know, we're in prime 2022 NFL draft season or rookie draft season. You see those deals where somebody's on the clock at the 111, the 110, and suddenly they're they're swapping that pick for a 23 first and maybe something added on top. And that's where the real value seems to cash in for me because everybody's pretty excited about this rookie class. Despite you know, all the all the negativity surrounding the class coming into the NFL draft, these landing spots have created a buyer's market and and a and a and really a place where dynasty managers are excited to get even even bottom end first round picks this year. So you know, I, you we see a lot of these trades happening. There, there's been the Sky Moore and Isaiah Spiller for a 2023 third, first round pick. Uh, we also seen straight up trades for the 108, for the 107. I've seen trades for the 110 or 111. Those are the kind of trades where you suddenly say, if this draft class in 2023 is going to be so much better than it was in 2022, where's that? Where's that line for you where you'd rather get the the production as a rookie this season uh, compared to a random 2023 first round? Well, it's pretty high. It's certainly higher than a normal season. I think part of that has to do with uh, the quality of the class. And I know we got the good landing spots. I know we like some of these wide receivers. But when you look big picture in the dynasty landscape, wide receiver is the deepest position out there. 
and um, yeah, I, I, I like Sky Moore and I like Jameson Williams and Olave. I like all these wide receivers, but they're still kind of in line with wide with, with veteran wide receivers in that twenty to forty range, right? And in, in general, I'm taking a shot on uh, on that twenty three first rounder uh, and and hoping I hit pay dirt with. Uh, one of those players that we mentioned earlier. So, um, I mean, it it would probably be as high as like three or four for me, where I would flip for the random first. And, and of yeah, course, and, I mean, then, sorry, Dan, we say random first, but in your league, you have an idea of where that pick is going to be. You're not always right, of course, but you, you at least have an idea. And and when you're you're shopping your one three, one four, one five, you're going to be selective in in, in which teams and which managers you talk. Uh, talk to you about that and that's where i was going to bring the conversation because we've also seen some trades on the on the trade finder that where you see derrick henry or nick chubb swapped for a future first and that one that suggests a a a team that that maybe is down on the dumps down on their luck and and not not looking to to win a championship this year that manager most likely if you're swapping derrick henry for a 23 first you're thinking that's going to be a top-end premier pick next season where you can get one of those running backs, those names that you mentioned. Maybe if it's a super flex, get one of these quarterbacks that could be could be a 10-year starter for your dynasty franchise. I, I'm, I'm really intrigued there because, as you said, we can all get a pretty firm grasp of what that draft pick's going to look like a year from now. But if, if you're dealing with a manager that you expect – to be that that number one overall pick, maybe the number two overall pick, even if you send them Derrick Henry or or send them the the one hundred three this year, that that seems very appealing to me. That's the type of move that I, I'm I'm going to try to make, and and obviously you're going to get the best deal you can. But when you're at three, when you're and and you're thinking about moving out for a future pick, when you're thinking about moving Derrick Henry, that that is a very aggressive move and one that that's going to be appealing to other managers. Of course, when you're floating Henry out there, Nick Chubb out there, or, or a really premier high pick this season, you're going to get some action on that pick. So you you better be real confident. And I think I can speak for you and myself. We are pretty confident that the 23 class is going to bring more talent than the, than the third or fourth pick in this year's draft. Yeah, I agree. And, And again, this goes back to, um, just how active, how competitive your league is, because there. I mean, we mentioned some of the bad trades, and it's easy to throw out that you would trade Christian Kirk for any first. That that's obvious. Juju Smith-Schuster for any first. Those are obvious moves. But we've got some trades that are that are a little a little more fair, and and you know make you make you question. Henry is one. Nick Chubb, uh, Cam Akers, I think would be one where you could make a case either way. Darren Waller. I'm probably taking the first there, but you know, in, in the right situation, I, it, at least that's closer. Um, so yeah, you, you absolutely have to scout your opponents, check out those rosters and, and be selective because guys like Chubb and Henry are not uh, take any first you can get for type players. And it matters where, obviously it matters where your franchise is, where you're sitting. And, and you know, if you, if you don't expect to be, a contender this year, maybe it is time to move on from Derrick Henry and, and get that future asset that could help you down the road. We we also took a look at the DLF um, 
um, value on, on the um, trade analyzer. On the trade analyzer, thank you. <laughs> um, which is a tool that many of us use regularly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when I went through this, Ryan, I looked at that. As you said before, you can you can get a good gauge on on what kind of pick you're going to get. Is it going to be an early first, a mid first, a late first? And that trade analyzer, Ryan, that that placed that 2023 early first, which which I I would probably say is a first, second, or third pick in the first round. What you expect to get, that's worth 604 points. And the and the players around that, Ryan, are Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, DJ Moore, and Stephon Diggs. So if you're if you're actively trading for a future first, and those are the kinds of names that somebody's looking for, how how likely are you to trade a guy like Eckler or DJ Moore, Mixon, Stephon Diggs, for a shot at a top three pick? Well, again, we're we're talking early first, so um, you know you've got to you're kind of assuming that you already know for sure. Um, yeah, and that could be Bryce Young. It could be it could be a big name in that in that class that we expect to be available. Right. Bijan Robinson is going to be the one on one, like you said. So you got a shot. You you got a one and three, one and four shot of getting that with this trade. Are you making that deal? Yeah, I think that is um, that's adequately or, or correctly valued right now. Uh, mixing in with the the names that you mentioned. Um, you know, Joe Mixon, Austin Eckler, pretty easy sells for me for one of those picks, just based on, uh, what we've seen with running back value at players at their age and at their experience level. Uh, same thing with, with Stefan Diggs, as great as he is. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't think it would be a shock to see a step back. We've seen it with even great players like, like Deandre Hopkins over the past year or two. Uh, so I think Diggs could. Uh, could follow that path and, and lose a little bit of value, uh, if not production. Uh, DJ Moore is is a tough one because he still still has uh, age on his side and, and has been productive despite not having a good quarterback. But it goes back to that um, back to that wide receiver depth conversation that that I would still cash in all of those or any of those players for a top three rookie pick in twenty twenty three. Yeah, and it probably probably matters how confident you are in that being a top three or four pick, whatever that means. Uh, just for argument's sake, the 2023 mid first is valued at 384 points. Players around uh, that value, Travis Kelsey, ETN, if you're looking at running backs, Elijah Moore at wide receiver, along with Michael Pittman. And then a late first, 265 points. couple quarterbacks in there, Kyler Murray and Joe Burrow, then Chris Olave and Brandon Ayuk. So equal to about the 109 right now, the mid first, the 105 and then and then the what's really interesting to me that early first Ryan that's that's equal to the 101 in this year's draft so really Brees Hall plus a little bit according to 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 our tool there so that got me thinking would you rather have Brees Hall guaranteed right now or a shot at a at a top three or four pick you're pretty confident it's going to be top three or four which one are you taking right now if that trades on your in your inbox? Well, Brees Hall is already a top five or six running back, and really all of our uh, our value metrics. I mean, whether you want to look at ADP or rankings or our trade analyzer, uh, he is valued ahead of 
uh, ahead of Mixon and, and right in line with Austin Eckler. So it's it's a little surprising to see that pick valued ahead of the 101, which would obviously get you uh, Brees Hall. I mean, giving you the extra year, I, I think I would take Hall over uh, over that top three pick right now. Um, as, as you said, you get him for 2022. I think he can have a big rookie season. Uh, and honestly, I'm not... I know I said it, it looks like Bijan's locked in as, as the 101. I'm not quite there myself. I, I really like C.J. Stroud, if we're talking super flex, and in, uh, in, in single quarterback leagues. I don't know if Jameer Gibbs is that far behind Bijan, honestly. Yeah, and there there's so many things that can happen in an yeah. entire season of college football that – that sways us, right? And then we have to. We just went through combine season and and uh, senior bowl and all that information that moved players up and down. And you know, there this time last year we were we were pretty fired up about Isaiah Spiller, right? And and think the the bottom fell out of that thing. So not that that's going to happen to a guy like Bijan, but man, it I, I'm going to take the the bird in the hand rather than the two in the bush. Uh, maybe maybe the conversation gets a more a little more interesting if you're holding the 102 and Brees Hall is off the board and you got a shot at that future pick. But yeah. uh, we'll we'll have a lot of fun talking about the 2023 draft in the coming 12 months, I guess. But it was fun to have a have a conversation about valuing those draft picks. Overall, I think it's safe to say that all of us really want as many 2023 first round picks as we can get our hands on. Before we move on, we should talk about our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. This podcast is brought to you by those guys at Underdog Fantasy. Uh, Underdog Fantasy is the best play to play, or excuse me, place to play fantasy sports, including best ball, daily drafts, and pick'em games. Uh, you can start drafting in minutes for a shot at really big cash prizes. Ryan, you and I do underdog fantasy regularly. We like to have those slow drafts rolling regularly. Uh, we jump into as many as the live drafts where you only get 30 seconds to make your pick as you can because you can win all these big prizes. And, you know, the, the really the best part about our list for our listeners right now about underdog fantasy is that if you're, if you're signing up for the first time with a new account on underdog, you're going to get a free DLF annual premium membership in addition to that membership, you're going to get a hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred bucks. So put that hundred dollars in, start playing games. Suddenly you have 200. This is an awesome way to start enjoying those games at underdog. Um, the offer is good for new and existing DLF subscriptions. So even if you already have a DLF sub, we're going to automatically extend that subscription for an additional year they use they use half point ppr scoring single quarterback rosters no defenses no kickers 18 rounds of fun in both those slow four-hour timers and fast 30 second clocks those kind of drafts are all available all the time they got new games coming out all the time um it's a fun fair and flexible environment that you're sure to love i know ryan and i both do as well and the best part right now they're, they just opened up Best Ball Mania 3. Those drafts are happening as we speak, and Underdog is going to give away $10 million in prizes, including a $2 million purse to the winner. So visit DynastyLeagueFootball.com, click the Underdog Fantasy banner, and claim your 100% deposit match and a free year of DLF Premium. Do that today. Let's hear from the listeners. It's time for the question of the week. 
we we made a call to the listeners because we were asked, hey, hey, what what the heck? You said you're gonna you're gonna answer our questions with with the new way we do this show. We haven't done it in a little while because we've been talking about all these rookies. But we heard from John L on Twitter, Ryan, and he had a great question for this week because we we've been talking so much about the the rookie class, deservedly so. This week, John asks, who are some of some good running back targets to buy for a championship run. And this is excellent because we love talking vets as much as we love talking these rookies. And right now we're, we're planning that championship assassination, right? We're, we're making our run to the title and we need to add some vets to mix in with these young studs. So who's your guy? If you're, if you're targeting a, a running back specifically, Ryan, who are you going after out on the trade market? Well, before I name a name, I love this question because I think this is a great time to buy veteran, Ugh. not only veteran running backs, but are not only uh, not specifically running backs, but all veterans. Uh, but when you're looking, when you're thinking specifically about those running backs, you know, we're, we're hesitant to buy uh, before free agency because a team might go out and, and push their RB one down to, down to the RB two line. They could do the same thing in the NFL draft and, and pick that, that day two running back that, that ruins the value of a veteran. But now that we're past those two big events, and, and of course there's still time for things to change and, and depth charts will get shaken up. But those running, those running backs that look like starters now, there's a good chance they're going to be starters in week one. So we can buy with a little more confidence right now. And to me, this is, this is an obvious one. Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is our running back 15 in our latest ADP. 15. I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. Way down at 15 now. 32 overall. And, I mean, we know the production that, that Henry can uh, can give us and can give dynasty managers and, and fantasy players. And looking at the uh, trade analyzer, or I'm sorry, looking at the trade finder at DLF, the trades are matching that that ADP. We, we've got some steals out here. You already talked about Henry for a future first rounder. That's that's in the trade finder multiple times. Uh, Derek Henry for the 106, two second rounders, and Chris Carson. I mean, I could not hit except fast enough on that type of trade. If I've got a contending team, a playoff team, and I'm a running back away, or or even if I'm just trying to bolster my starting lineup, I think Derrick Henry is an awesome trade target right now. And and maybe it's the the injury last year. Do people forget already that he's a he's expected to get the ball 20, 25 times a game, two thousand yards is within his reach. I know he's a little bit older and that injury scared some folks off, Ryan. But man, he is when you think of Bell Cow running back. Derrick Henry's the guy you think of immediately. It's going to happen in 2022 once again. Well, and, and I didn't even mention, I, I should have because it's a big factor. A.J. Brown is gone. Ryan Tannehill suddenly looks like a quarterback that maybe the Titans don't trust and, and most likely don't trust beyond this, this season. So uh, I, I think the Titans are telling us, the Ravens are telling us this as well, by the way, they're going to lean heavily on their running game. Uh, so yeah, Derrick Henry all day. Yeah. All day long. Mike Vrabel, the head coach, he wants to run the football and mm -hmm. he wants to turn around and hand it to, to Derrick Henry as many times as possible. Couldn't agree more. The you saw that, that hand. Get him. 
Yeah, you saw the <laughs> hat, the right? Ball. Yeah, yeah, I saw the saw the hat, and and I believe him. He's not lying with that deal. He wants to run the football. Um, I, my my guys are in the same vein. I'm gonna go with veteran running backs that have been around a little bit, um, and guys that have changed teams in their career. Maybe that's the difference between Henry and my guys. I had to name two because when I think of a veteran, I want to add to my team that I can slide right into that RB one spot and feel real good. If I happen to have a guy above him on my depth chart, it's Leonard Fournette and it's James Cook. Or, excuse me, James Conner. We've been talking rookies too much. Um, Fournette, you can get him for a late first and sometimes the 13th, 14th, or 15th pick in a rookie draft while you're on the clock. And and I know that Fournette, there's people out there that are concerned about Rashad White landing in Tampa Bay. Give me a break. Fournette is going to get the ball early and often with the Buccaneers. He has the trust of the coaching staff. He has the trust of that quarterback, and that's what is most important, right? He's going to catch passes on top of that workload as a running back. I expect him to be an RB1 in 2022 and maybe beyond even, and would not be surprised if he finishes as a top five running back. And and we've, we've spent plenty of time, Ryan, being negative about Leonard Fournette at the end of his Jaguars tenure, certainly after he was released by the Jags, but he is an art dripping, oozing with, with RB one upside. And it's, it's almost a lock for me that he's going to be a top 12 tailback in fantasy games this season. Yeah. I, I think there's a little bit of concern that they could use white more in the passing game that, sure. that Leonard, Leonard Fournette got those, uh, got those targets because they really didn't have any other options. I, I love Gio Bernard, but I think I think he's just about done uh, with with his run in the NFL. We know Ronald Jones can't catch passes, so they didn't really have any other options uh, over the past year or two, and, and now potentially they do. So I, I think that could be maybe a thorn in his side, but you're totally right. I, I, I love that uh, Fournette, it, you know, it looked like he wasn't coming back to this team until Brady came back. Uh, so right. I love that connection. If you look at redraft rankings, I think they can be so valuable to dynasty managers, especially those early redraft rankings around uh, this time of the offseason. And Fournette is ranked as high as a top five redraft running back. So that that should give you, you know, when you're viewing the running back position basically one year at a time outside of the, uh, the those elite assets, that should give you a lot of confidence in guys like Fournette as well as your other guy, James Conner. If he returns, and I'm talking about Fournette, back to 2020, his first year in Tampa Bay, 13 games, 47 targets, and 36 receptions. That's enough for me to yep. to feel comfortable with Fournette being being an RB1 in 2022. The other guy, Connor, really a similar story because you know Fournette has Rashad White. Connor got Keontae Ingram even later in the draft, and I. As much as we like Keontae Ingram as a third-round rookie pick, Ryan, we're not really that scared of him taking away a lot of touches as long as Connor stays healthy. Connor is in line for three-down workload and and consistent catches on top of that, um, on top of that running running workload on first and second down. So again, and and Connor is even cheaper. He he's going to go for a early to mid second round pick. Sometimes in the trade finder, you will find him going for it later than that. As as far as draft picks go, you can get him for a young player that has a little bit of upside, but 
but certainly hasn't proven himself already. And I just don't see why. You know, maybe this is a narrow window with both Fournette and Connor. We're not looking at three and four years out. But if if John's question is truly what you're looking at, you're looking for a running back that that can help you on a championship run. James Connor is the guy if you can get him for for the two oh four or the two oh three, something like that. That's a slam dunk take, in my opinion. Totally agree. And and I think in a lot of ways Connor's kind of in the spot that Fournette was in last year, that there's not that proven pass catcher on on the Arizona depth chart right now. So just by default, he will get uh he'll get the targets, uh whether he uh, whether we think of him as that pass catching back or not, uh, as you said, he'll get that three down work. Uh, so I love, I love Connor's role in the offense in 2022. And I, I love his value even more. That's the best part. I love these veteran running backs. I wish we could talk about them all episode long, but we can. You down with ADP? Yeah, you know me. Ryan May ADP is complete. It's on the website, DynastyLeagueFootball.com. And now is the time to talk about where these rookies fit in and try to get a gut feeling on on if these guys are overvalued, undervalued, or if they're valued just right. So let's start at the top. Brees Hall, you mentioned it earlier. He's valued as a top six running back. In fact, RB6 right now. Some have him in their rankings in the top five already. Comes in at 13 overall, nearly a first-round pick in startup ADP. What do you think? Overvalued, under undervalued, or is Brees Hall just right? A little bit of a cop-out answer for me. Um, if you're looking just at – I know that Matt is here in, in spirit. <laughs> uh, if you're looking at those running back, uh, running back ADP alone, I think he's in the right spot. So we've got Taylor. Najee Harris, McCaffrey, Swift, Javante Williams, and then Brees Hall at six. He's ahead of Eckler, Barkley, Mixon, Kamara, Chubb. I think that's right. Uh, When you look at uh, our total ADP and you mix in some of those wide receivers that are being drafted behind uh, behind Brees Hall, including Jalen Waddell, DK Metcalf, T. Higgins, uh, even some of the veterans, Hill, Adams, Diggs, that's where I have a little bit more of – of a problem and it feels in that sense that Hall's being overvalued. So uh, I would say uh, the next running back uh, behind him is uh, is Austin Eckler and he's down there at 19 overall, Brees Hall at 13 overall. So maybe I would put Brees Hall more in the 17-18 range and we're nitpicking a little bit there, uh, but I, I would put a couple of those wide receivers over him. I would as well. I'd echo the same exact thing. I should mention that in one of those six drafts that that really come up with our ADP, create our ADP, he went as high as five overall. So that certainly boosted Brees Hall quite a bit. We'll see what happens next month. I know people are, are excited about Hall, but that seems a little bit too rich rich for me for the same reasons you mentioned. Let's move on to one of the, the, the first wide receiver uh, among these uh, rookies, Ryan, it's Drake London. He's at 29 overall and wide receiver 15. Yeah, that uh, it's just so tough. Um, I would say that is about right. Um, again, I mean, we could nitpick, and there's maybe one or two wide receivers I would put higher, 
I still like Elijah Moore. Still believe in Chris Godwin, even with that injury. But all in all, we're talking about Drake London as a uh, as a mid third rounder wide receiver fifteen. I'm okay with that value. That seems about right. I'm okay with it as well. But again, in one draft, he went tenth overall. Ryan, what the heck's going on? You put these things together. That wasn't you, was it? Uh, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm I'm not admitting to anything here. No, <laughs> that wasn't me. That was not me, of course. <laughs> um, you, you know, we do. This is why we run multiple mock drafts. And, uh, you know, you, you've got these outliers here and there. Uh, taking that pick out, he's still, he's still locked into that, uh, you know, that third round range, though. That's kind of where he went yeah. in the other, uh, the other mocks. There were two two that really stuck out among all of them, and it was those two guys. Hall pushed up all the way to five, London all the way to ten. And I love these guys, but holy cow, if you're starting a franchise with them in the first round, that seems a little bit rich for me. Uh, how about the next guy in the list? It's Traylon Burks. Kind of kind of going in order of what a lot how a lot of people value these rookies in rookie drafts. Burks is at 33, so just behind London London. And wide receiver 16, actually one spot below Drake London. That seems about right to me. If you're going to value London where he is, you gotta you got to put Burks close. Once again, though, Ryan, he falls in front of Chris Godwin, in front of Terry McLaurin, in front of Michael Pittman, who's five, six, seven spots below. That maybe I'd, I'd, if I'm, we're going to nitpick, I'd put him a few spots below that. Maybe Maybe push him down into the fourth round rather than the late third. But I can't complain too much. No, I can't either. Burks is actually still my rookie wide receiver one. So if I'm okay with London, I've got to be okay with Burks' value here as well. Um, as I said, nitpicking, Elijah Moore's down there at wide receiver 24. Still a player I'm super high on. So I'd probably have him above all of these players, all of these wide receivers we'll talk about. In fact, I definitely would. Uh, but big picture, I'm, I'm good with Burks' value here. The next running or the next rookie that comes into these rankings is a running back. It's Kenneth Walker at 37 overall, so just a few spots behind Burks and running back 16. What do you think of the Seahawks' new tailback? I mean, I get it. Looking at the names, he's he's ahead of in running back rankings: Gibson, Montgomery, Etienne, Aaron Jones, Fournette. You can make a case for Walker ahead of all those guys. I'm, I'm just not going to have Walker on my team. I think there's too many questions that that offense is going to be bad. Uh, Rashad Penny, uh, if he's healthy, I, I think he, he could be the outright starter. Um, you know, it, it, if not a, a, a committee attack there. So just too many concerns to draft Walker as a, uh, what the first pick of the fourth round too rich for me. Yeah, too rich for me as well. And the problem really lies with the 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 wide receivers, the rookie wide receivers that we're about to talk about. It seems like he belongs in that tier. There's certainly a case that he should be the top guy of this tier of rookies. But guys like Garrett Wilson and especially Jamison Williams and Chris Olave, they're in the 50s and 60s. And Walker is all the way up at 37. That doesn't seem right to me. That that seems a little too rich for my blood, so I'll probably not have Walker on my teams either if we're doing a startup. Let's jump down to Garrett Wilson. He's only six spots after Walker at 43 overall. Comes in at wide receiver 20, so still 
considered a wide receiver too if you're looking at 12 team leagues ryan this this one was was an intriguing one for me how do you land on on wilson uh other than him being ahead of his teammate elijah moore I'm that's okay where it's it. at yeah <laughs> i want more ahead of ahead of garrett wilson moore is is four wide receiver spots later he's about uh what about half a round uh later in uh, in overall adp so that's my only issue. Beyond that, he, uh, Garrett Wilson's being drafted ahead of Mike Evans, Rashad Bateman, Amari Cooper. Um, the, the, I'm okay with those. So, wide receiver 20, 43 overall, about right. Yeah, it's fine. It It's fine. It's the Elijah Moore thing that sticks out to me. Maybe you could get on board with Hollywood Brown, who's right behind mm, Moore at yeah. 51 overall, being above him. Um the running backs around him, though. It, it's Antonio Gibson and David Montgomery right in front of him. I definitely want Garrett Wilson over that, yeah. uh, over those two. And then a few spots below, Travis Etienne, Aaron Jones. I, I want Garrett Wilson over those guys as well. Those It seems like those 20, 24 to 27-year-old running backs are, are kind of clumped in right here. And I'll take the shot on the young wide receiver over those guys. Next up is Jamison Williams, another rookie wide receiver. Comes in at 54 overall, wide receiver 27. When I look at these two guys, Wilson and Williams, and then maybe throw in Chris Olave as well at the end of a tier, they're pretty close to me, Ryan. And and there's a big gap between Garrett Wilson and Jamison Williams. So, in fact, there's seven wide receivers, uh, wide receiver spots in between them. So it feels like if you're okay with Wilson and you value Williams close to the same way or, or maybe even more than Wilson, Wilson is, Williams is just screaming value. Yeah, totally agree. Um, he's, he's just ahead of Devonte Smith, who uh, some have compared him to. I think he's, I think he's a more well-rounded player than Smith uh, more and more talented, honestly, up and down versus the other former Alabama speedster. So uh, I look at Williams as a guy who has a little a little meat on the bone here to gain some value. Of course, a lot Absolutely. of it has to do with uh, a lot of it has to do with coming back from that injury. So we need to see him come back strong and honestly come back maybe earlier than expected to maintain this value or or to move up. But yeah, you, you made a good point. Could he move up seven wide receiver spots and be close to? Wilson or, or 10 wide receiver spots and, and overtake or be close to Burks or London. Sure. He could. He absolutely could. And you know, you mentioned we need him to get on the field earlier. I got a couple late rookie drafts. I'd rather he just stay on the bench so I can get him in the late first round of rookie drafts. Maybe if I have a startup later on, I'd like a, like a discount on Jamison Williams. So he's fine. Make sure you're a hundred percent Jamison before you're back on the field. I could capitalize on that. How about Chris Olave? Comes in at number 69 overall, wide receiver 35. So another eight spots lower than Jamison Williams. It's really crazy. He's 15 spots below his college teammate, Garrett Wilson. This one seems like a value as well to me. It's it's odd to me. He's closer to, to some of the rookie wide receivers like Sky Moore and George Pickens than he is to Wilson. That that seems like it's a tad off, Ryan. Yeah, that that was a little surprising to me as well. You you think of Alave being in that tier with 
with Williams and, and Garrett Wilson as well. To, so to see the gap, you know, we're, we're a little bit of a broken record here thinking these rookies are undervalued. But honestly, if you look at that historical ADP, this is this is what we see. We see the spike once uh, in general, once we know landing spot and draft capital, we see the spike in May ADP and then June, July, August, they continue to rise and gain value in most cases. So uh, if you've got a startup draft right now and you're drafting Chris Olave at uh, in the sixth or seventh round, you know, uh, six weeks from now, he might be a, a, a late fourth or fifth rounder. Yeah, it certainly seems like they will be. You want Chris Olave or Amon Ra St. Brown, Ryan? I want Chris Olave. Yeah, I do too. Uh, Amon Ra St. Brown, just three wide receiver spots, about six spots overall ahead of him. That that one screamed like an Olave choice to me. How about Sky Moore? 76 overall, wide receiver 40. So we're, we're into the wide receiver fours. This is where you could, if, if you built... If you're doing a startup and you built with some veterans, you might be looking for that that fourth wide receiver that that has some upside and has some youth. You can get him at around 76. Does that seem right to you? It it's okay. You know, there's there's a lot of what ifs in this range. I mean, his his new teammate Juju uh, Smith Schuster one spot ahead of him in our wide receiver ADP three spots overall. Uh, that kind of goes to the uncertainty of what to expect from Kansas city. They, they bring in those two. They also sign MVS from the Packers and none of those guys, as we've talked about on here before, none of those are, are really the prototypical wide receiver one. So uh, it, it kind of comes down to picking one and, and hoping he can turn into the top target. Sky Moore is going to be the pick for a lot of people because he, he is still young. They invested that day two pick on him um, some other players in that range that, that I would take over him depending on uh, on my team situation. Uh, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is, is below Sky Moore at, at wide receiver what? 41. Just just feels feels a little crazy uh, that he, that he's down that far. Of course, that the suspension and the age don't help him. But uh, a little bit of a, of a shock to see Nuke that low. He was a top 12 wide receiver one year ago. Uh, yeah, I think I'd rather do the Drake London early pick and pick DeAndre Hopkins here than, than go with one of them veteran wide receivers early and take Sky Moore at this spot if that if you have that option. But, well, I'm I a, think that's a good way to, to think about it. Okay, so Burks is being drafted right ahead of Chris Godwin. So, so right. Bur- Burks and Hopkins or Godwin and Sky Moore? I would take the Hopkins-Burks side of that one. Pretty easily for me, too. Pretty easily, yeah. Uh, a trio of wide receivers that are real closely packed in here. George Pickens at 82, wide receiver 44. Christian Watson at 84, wide receiver 45. And Jahan Dotson at 86, wide receiver 46. These guys, if you look at these drafts, Ryan, they each go first among the three of them a couple times, second a couple times, and last among the three a couple times as well. Um, it feels like, you know, it, it's really pick the guy you, you yeah. prefer out of Pickens, Watson and Dotson overall for the range of these guys seems about right. I think the range is right. There's a few names below that I'm still interested in. Certainly, uh, Kadarius, Tony and, and Calvin Ridley, Michael Gallup, they all have their warts, uh, different, uh, different varieties, certainly. 
and I'm surprised Pickens ended up on the top of that list. I, I figured he would be uh, third among that group, not not first. So, uh, but like you said, they're they're certainly closely valued. We see that in rookie drafts as well. Um, I, I'm okay with this. I mean, they're they're out. They're in that low end wide receiver four range. So it, it's kind of hard to argue against that right now. Yeah, between the three of them, the highest any of them went was 72 overall, and the latest was 97, and there was only a couple of picks in the 90s there. So, you know, it feels like um, if you miss out on that top, those top five or six wide receivers, and you're trying to get some youth, you might push one of those guys up the board, the guy that you prefer. Um, I'm, I'm with you, though. Seems like Pickens probably should be the third guy among the three, but they're they're stacked all together within a few spots. In fact, just inside of five spots overall, only James Conner and Miles Sanders sandwiched between the three of them. Let's try to get a few more in, especially these running backs. James Cook is 89 overall, running back 29. He's an interesting one to me, Ryan. Falls into the top 100, coming in at 89 overall. Fits in real close, right behind John Dotson and those other wide receivers. How do you feel like he's valued, especially among the tailbacks? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think we have to focus on his posi- uh, on his value compared to other players at his position. I think it's, it's almost kind of funny to me that he's valued just ahead of Tony Pollard, that backup, yeah. that backup running back with upside that we've been chasing and, and holding on to, you know, with hopes of a, of either a breakout year or a starting job or, you know, knock on wood, an injury to the starter. And, and we see that backup take off. And honestly, that just doesn't happen that much. So, uh, you know, if you if you want the current version, you take Tony Pollard. If you want to recycle that and hope hope it goes a different uh, different path, maybe you take James Cook. I would still prefer Pollard. So he's a little bit uh, a little bit high in my opinion. But I mean, after Pollard, we're talking about Damian Harris and Stevenson, who I who I still like. James Robinson. It it kind of falls off a cliff pretty quickly. It does. You mentioned some of those wide receivers, the Kadarius Tony, Kelvin Ridley. I, I want those wide receivers. Even some of these some of these rookie wide receivers I would consider over Cook and White at this point, depending on how your build goes. Um it sounds I guess like your build is, is filled with wide receivers. Yeah, just get <laughs> let's play in leagues where you can start eight of them. Let's get them all on our on I our like teams. Those uh yeah, you run some of them. Uh, next up among rookies is Rashad White, 102 overall, so just outside the top 100, RB33, a few clicks below James Cook, and and quite a few spots in front of Damian Pierce, the, the next running back among the rookies. How do you feel about where Rashad White, the Tampa Bay running back, slides in? It's fine. You know, a little, it's just little fine. too close to Tony Pollard, right? Well, well, a little too close and actually ahead of Ramondre Stevenson, who uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of liking more and more as I think about that Patriots backfield. So I, I would prefer Stevenson. But again, we're, we're, we're talking about that tier of running backs that, you know, uh, the dead zone kind of became a, a trendy term in, in fantasy, specifically in, in redraft and best ball leagues last year. And I mean, that certainly is, is – describes this tier we're talking low-end rb3s and it's hard to get excited about any of those guys on your roster so i mean yeah 
Rashad White is, is fine in this range, but like you, I'm probably going to find a wide receiver I'd rather have there. The last group of guys we should talk about here, David Bell, John Mechie, Alec Pierce, 110, 111, and 116 respectively. Wide receiver 55, 56, and I think 57 at uh, for Bell, Mechie, and Pierce. How do you feel about these guys? Yeah, Pierce actually down at wide receiver 59. Like the Thank value you. on all of those guys. Um, Rondell Moore in that range. DJ Chark in that range. Tyler Boyd. So you're taking a shot on on upside with the young guys and, and hoping they hit. But this, this is the right spot to do that. Uh, outside of the top 100. Uh, in, in, in Kind of in that 10th, 11th round range. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, these guys fit real nicely onto a team as your wide receiver five or six, maybe even down at seven or eight if you're building teams like apparently I want to build them. Uh, Ryan, we got through a priceless episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. It went pretty good. I think we should do it again next week. I think we might. Yeah, we'll kick we'll kick Matt out. Stay in the sticks there for another week, Matt. We got you covered over here. Lots lots of fun stuff to talk about again next week. For Matt, who's who's in the woods, and Ryan, who's sitting over there, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.